Okay. So we are kicking off our 21 days of prayer and fasting, and so I thought it would be good to bring a message that I have entitled Pray First. Pray First. And you know, in the in the world that we live in today, you know, there's there's so many things that actually can make us worry first, isn't there? You know, all you need to do is switch on the news and hear the latest COVID figures or hear about some horrendous, I don't know, death, murder, all of this stuff that goes on. I don't watch the news. I try to avoid all of that stuff so that I don't have to hear all this negativity. But there's so much in the world today that can cause us to worry first. And actually, I believe that the antidote to our worry is seeking God first, is prayer First, And the reality is that the more that we pray to God, the more time we spend with God, it fills us up with faith. When we seek God first, instead of worrying first, when we seek God first, it fills us up with faith. And, and actually, that means that there's less room in our lives for worry. And so we find that as a natural reaction to that, we're worrying less. So it's, there's benefit to it, isn't it? So the sooner we start praying, the less worry, the less anxiety we're going to be carrying in our lives. And I'm not saying that when you start seeking God first and when you start praying more, that life is then going to instantly become all peachy and rosy. That is not what I'm saying at all. But I believe in the power of prayer. I believe in the power of prayer. And I believe that God calls us to pray, and that when we pray to God, we will see him move. It says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. Do you believe that promise over your life right now at the beginning of 2022? Do you believe that, that actually... If our God can do far more than we can ask or think or imagine, then actually it makes sense that we should get busy asking God for more. Because if we up our ask of God, he's going to do even more. So don't just be asking God for the bare minimum. Don't ask him for the bare minimum because then he'll do even more than the bare minimum, but it's still going to be only a little bit. So let's get bold in our praying and ask God for God-sized dreams and then he will do even more than we can ask or think. And you know, it's also important to say that actually it's not selfish. It's not selfish to ask God for more. Maybe we're thinking, oh, well, you know, I might need some of this in my life, but there are people far worse than I am. So I'm not going to pray for myself. I'm just going to pray for other people because they are in a far worse position than I am. They need God more than we do. Well, that comes from a place of thinking that God can only do one thing at a time or that God's resources are limited in some way. And that is not the case. So we can spend our prayer lives, yes, praying for other people and believing for God to bless them in whatever way they need. But we can also pray big and bold prayers for ourselves. It's not selfish to ask God for more of his spirit, for more of his wisdom, for more people in our church, for more people to be saved in our colleges, in our workplaces, in our families, in our communities. Let's ask God 
for more. It says in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God, not second, not third, not as a last resort in our lives, but seek first, pray first above all things. Do you know, I believe that God has got a purpose for each and every one of us in this room for 2022. And so I believe that if you grab hold of this principle and you begin to pray first at the beginning of each day, I believe that he's going to help you move from where you are right now to where you are called to be. As we seek God first, as we pray first, he's going to position us to where we should be so we can walk in the fullness of all he has for us. Jesus told us to pray. He told us to pray. But not only that, he taught us how to pray. And we're going to look at that a little bit more this morning. But I believe that prayer is the fuel that will transform your fear into faith. I believe that prayer is the fuel that will transform your fear into faith. So maybe just ask yourself right now, what is it that I'm fearful of? What are you fearful of? What worries or or burdens are you carrying in your life right now? What is it that's weighing heavy on your spirit? Seek first. Pray first into these things and let your prayers become the fuel that turn that fear into faith. It says in Matthew 21, 22, and whatever you ask for in prayer, you will receive if you have faith, whatever you ask for. And it's important just to add in here, just a little side note that actually if you're hearing that and your mind is maybe beginning to think, well, if I pray for something and I don't get it, I've been praying for this thing for years and I've not seen God answer it. That is not saying that you do not have enough faith. It is so important for me to say that. If you are not uh, getting the answer to your prayer that you want to receive, it is not to do with your lack of faith. It is not to do with something that you are doing wrong. I believe that's a lie from the enemy. It's something that comes to try and discourage us and stop us from praying first. You should continue to pray first. The Bible teaches about persistence in prayer. If you're not seeing the answer to the prayer that you want, that could be because God is saying no. It could be because God is saying not yet. But keep on praying. Keep on believing. Keep on seeking first and praying first. Verses like 1 John 5.14 can help us with this because that says our confidence in prayer comes when we ask according to his will. When we ask according to his will. And that comes from seeking first his kingdom. When you are seeking first God's kingdom, your will and his will come in line with one another. And so actually you'll find that naturally your prayers are lining up with his will. And then we can have confidence that anything we ask, he will give us. Because God isn't some kind of genie. He's not some goodwill vending machine that we can just go to whenever it is that we want something. And prayer isn't just a, simply a means of asking God for something. That is not what prayer is, but actually it's an opportunity to be in relationship with God. 
That is what prayer is about. It's not, God, give me something. It's, God, help me get to you. That is the purpose of prayer. And so we're dedicating the next 21 days at the beginning of this new year to to fuel our lives with prayer, to fuel our lives with prayer. So don't forget to grab hold of one of those prayer guides on your way out and, you know, be standing together because, you know, we've broken down these different areas. And I believe that as a local church, when we pray together on each day for a specific thing, God will hear our prayers as we stand united together, believing for something that he will hear our prayers And in partnership with our fasting, as we demonstrate to him how serious we are about our prayers, how serious we are about our relationship with him, we will see him move in mighty ways. Do you know one of the things I love about Jesus, and I've said it before, is that that he pulled together this group of just random people. I don't know if anyone is watching or has watched The Chosen. If you've not, I would encourage you to do it. Uh, Just to tell you how, it's an app. You can't get it on Netflix or Prime or any of that. Just search your app store for The Chosen. It's a series that was been crowdfunded and it's, you know, sometimes Christian TV shows and movies can be really cheesy and quite terrible. But The Chosen is not one of those. It's brilliant. So download it. And actually what you see within this series is you kind of get this picture of what the disciples might have looked like. And you see just this eclectic group of people. And perhaps it will help you to just to get that picture in your mind a little bit better than maybe you can from just reading the words. So I'd encourage you to jump on that. It's brilliant. But Jesus pulled together this group of just ordinary guys to be part of his crew and to go around doing some incredible things. And they weren't the elite. They weren't the best of the best. They were just this oddball group of people. But Jesus saw something in them in the same way that he sees something in each and every one of you. And he taught them many things throughout his time on earth, including how to pray. And it says this in Matthew chapter 6, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And it says in the message paraphrase of that, here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so that you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and as honestly as you can manage. And then the focus will shift from you to God and you'll begin to sense his grace. I love that. I love that. It's brilliant that actually we can just be in his presence and we can be vulnerable and we can be authentic. We can be ourselves. And you know, when it comes to prayer, We need to choose when to pray. That's an important kind of starting point when it comes to prayer. We need to choose when to pray. Whatever works for you. You know, if you're a morning person, that's great. Maybe you want to set your alarm a little bit earlier and get up and and just spend some time in prayer. Maybe you're the opposite. Maybe you're a night owl and you're just going to spend a bit of time at the end of your day just praying to God. And you know, there's no perfect time. There's no right or wrong way. It's, there's no kind of set formula to, to when we should pray. The important thing is that we pray. It's about consistency. It's about cultivating a daily prayer habit. 
And yes, we should continually be praying throughout the day and we should have an open conversation and dialogue with God throughout our day. In fact, Smith, Smith Wigglesworth famously said, I don't often spend more than half an hour in prayer at one time, but I never go more than half an hour without praying. So that talks about this, this idea that we should have an open dialogue with Jesus throughout our day. And we don't just go, okay, I'm going to spend some time right now praying and then I'm going to forget about God for the rest of the day. We should be praying continually. But also, I believe that this verse demonstrates the importance of a prayer time, a specific prayer time. Because it's talking about going into the quiet place, about making yourself an area, a space that is safe for you to just go in and be for some time and just be in God's presence. A specific time that we set aside each day. So we're talking about a prayer habit that looks like a set time of prayer in the quiet place, just me and God, just you and God but then also and continuation throughout our day. They're the two kind of prayer habits when it comes to time that we need to work on. So we need to choose when to pray, but also we need to choose where to pray. And I love that it talks about praying in the quiet place. And if you're in a household with young kids and then you go out to work and then you come home and the kids are there again, you know, finding that quiet place might be really challenging. Well, often Jesus went up the mountain to pray. So maybe for you, each day you want to climb a mountain and spend some time in prayer. Okay, maybe that's not quite uh, practical for us on a daily basis. But, you know, I, I encourage you to find a, a specific room in your house or maybe a chair or a bench in the local park or whatever it might be. Just find somewhere that is your special place to spend some time in prayer with God, a place that becomes sacred almost for you and God where maybe your household knows that if you're sat in that place at a specific time of the day that actually I just want to be left alone for a few minutes so I can just be in the presence of God it's so important so we need to choose when to pray we need to choose where to pray but also we need to choose a way to pray there are a whole bunch of different prayer techniques that we can that we can use to kind of encourage and to grow our prayer lives and yeah you should you should and could dip in and out of of all of these different ways of praying but maybe you just want to find one as your primary method of praying that works well for you and again there's no formula there's no perfect way to pray. You've just got to find what works for you. So here's just a few ways you could pray. You could pray and personalize some scripture. So you could open your Bible and find a portion of scripture and begin to put your name into it, personalize it to you. Just take a look at 1 Corinthians 13, for example. It says, uh, it talks about love, but maybe you could say, God, help me to be patient and kind. Help me not to envy or boast. I pray I won't be arrogant or rude, that I would never give up, that I would never lose faith, that I would always be hopeful and endure through every circumstance. So you can take God's word and you can put yourself into it. So it's not just something that stands at arm's length, but actually it becomes relevant and personal to you. And in the same way, the Psalms are a great thing that you can use for praying because a lot of them are prayers 
that you can, again, you could read through or you could put yourself into that psalm. Do you know, I am certain that whatever it is that you're going through, whatever situation you are facing, there is a psalm that will benefit you. So get into the psalms as well. Maybe you want to take the formula of Acts prayers. Uh, It's an acrostic, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and then supplication or self. So you spend some time at the beginning of your prayer adoring God, telling him how amazing he is. And then confession, just spending some time acknowledging that we mess up, that we've sinned, that God, can you help me? And then moving on to thanksgiving, just thanking God for the blessings that you have and the the good things that he's doing for you. And, And then moving into a time where you can seek God for whatever it is that's on your heart right now. Because, you know, I like that formula because often it's quite easy to just jump into giving God a list of things that I need from you right now. God, can you help me with X, Y, and Z without actually going through the process of spending time enjoying his presence, spending time acknowledging how good he is and how faithful he is. And I think that's really important. You could spend time journaling. That's a great way to pray, I believe. I went on a course wow, about 10 years ago now, that talked about journaling and actually spending time tuning into God and then almost allowing him to speak through you onto the pages of your journal prayers over your life. So maybe journaling is something that would be good for you. Or you could use worship, whether that's praying while worship music is on or praying the songs of the words that we sing. We've sung some powerful songs this morning that if we truly believed what we were singing, we would be living an incredible life. You know, it's challenging, isn't it? We can sing the songs, but actually believing them and putting them into action is a whole other thing. So maybe spend some time not just singing songs, but really being in tune with the lyrics to the songs and praying those over your life. And then in partnership with that comes fasting that we're going to be doing over the next 21 days. And again, you know, I said that Jesus modeled this, didn't he? After, after he got baptized, he went into the wilderness and he, he fasted for 40 days before uh, he was tempted by the devil. And then he went on to do his ministry here on earth. And fasting, it's a spiritual discipline that helps to focus our attention on God because it's not about getting from God. It's about getting to God. That's why we do it. And I love how it explains fasting in this chapter six of Matthew. It says this, And when you fast, don't look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so that their fasting might be seen by others. You know, we might be tempted to jump on social media and tell everyone, hey, I'm giving up this for the next 21 days. How good am I? Look at how amazing I am because I am doing this incredible thing. And maybe you're thinking, well, John, you've already told us what you're doing. Is that what you're doing right now? But no, I was just trying to encourage you and, you know, you get it. But he says, don't disfigure your faces so that your fasting can be seen by others. I say to you that they've received their reward already. When you fast, it says, anoint your head, wash your face so that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your father who is in secret. There's that secret thing again. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. It's not about 
telling the world about how amazing we are. It's not about doing it for the, for the praise of other people to us. It's all about our relationship with God and how we can draw closer to him, how we can demonstrate to him just how much we love him. And so in this chapter of Matthew, Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray with what's become known as the Lord's Prayer. And maybe you've said it in that kind of monotone, dulcet uh, tones that can only come from a school assembly. You all know the one. We've all been there. We've all done it. Or I don't know, back in the day at my church growing up, we used to sing the Lord's Prayer to the wonderful sounds of the organ. And I quite enjoyed it when we did that, as cheesy as it was. And we'd all kind of look around at each other with smiling faces. And, you know, we've, we've grown up, some of us, with the Lord's Prayer. But, you know, it's a powerful example of how Jesus taught his disciples to pray. And so with the time I've got left, I just want to hang out in this portion of scripture and just look at uh, what this is telling us about how we should pray. So it begins like this, Matthew chapter 6 verse 9, our Father in heaven, our Father in heaven. I love that. From the very outset, we're declaring that God is our loving Father, our Father in heaven. You know, how you approach God in prayer impacts how you pray. How you approach God in your prayer impacts how you pray. Because if we know that he loves us, if we know that he's for us, if we know that he is a good Father, ready to give us good gifts far above what we could ask or imagine if that's how we approach God at the beginning of our prayers, it's going to impact how we pray. It's going to make us pray a prayer that is filled with faith because we believe that God is our Father, that He loves us, that He is for us. But on the flip side of that, if we approach God at the beginning of our prayer with a mindset that says that God is cold, that God is distant, that he is not interested in us, that he sees the worst in us, then that is going to impact how we pray in a negative way. Our prayers are going to be weak. He's not going to, he's not going to be honoured by the way that we pray. And so Jesus taught his disciples that when you begin your prayers, you say, our Father in heaven, our Father in heaven, because God loves you. Let me tell you that if you are unaware right now, God loves you. Or if you need reminding this morning, God loves you. And he is interested in your lives, in every part of your life as well. Not just the big stuff, but the small stuff too. The things that seem almost insignificant to us. He cares about it all. He loves you. And what I love about this opening few words as well is the language that Jesus uses is actually Abba, Father. And by using that language, it's hardly used in the Bible at all. And actually what's happening there is Jesus is inviting us by telling us this is how we should pray. He's inviting us to have the same relationship with God as Father that he has. This is his word to speak to his Father in heaven, Abba, Father. And so he's saying, you can have the same relationship with God as I have, because you are a son, because you are a daughter of God. How cool is that? 
So pray like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed is not a word that I often use in day-to-day conversation. It's not something that crops up a lot, but what it means is it means holy. It means consecrated. It means greatly revered and honored. And I think that actually in this first line of this prayer, we're seeing a really beautiful balance of how we should approach God. Because yes, he is our father. Yes, he is our father. But also, he is the almighty God. He's the creator of all things, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. He is far more powerful than we could ever imagine. It's a beautiful balance. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then he goes on, your kingdom come. What does that mean? What is he talking about right there? Well, God's kingdom is the reign and the rule of God in the hearts of his people in the hearts of his children. It's his rule and his reign in our lives. It's, he's not talking about after we die. He's not talking about at the end of this age as we know it. The kingdom of God, and Jesus says, is within us. The kingdom of God is within us. It's God's rule and reign in the hearts of his people. When we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, his kingdom is birthed within us. God's kingdom is within us. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Your will be done. Who knows that God's will is better than our will? You see, we can have plans and our plans might even be great plans. You know, when you sit in a job interview and they ask you that question, where do you see yourself in five years? And, you know, maybe you have a plan of what your life looks like. Maybe you have an idea of where you'll be in 5, 10, 15 years, what progressions you'll have made in your family life or in your career or in your business or whatever it might be. We can have plans and they can be amazing plans, but God's got plans too. And the truth is that his plans are far greater than ours. His will is far better than our will. And so we pray, your will be done. Not our will, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. When we pray like this, it's an absolute game changer. It's saying our God, his kingdom, his will on earth, his will in Lytham, his will in my workplace, his will in my family, his will in my school, in my church, in my life, his will, as it is in heaven. So cool. Because in heaven, in heaven we're made new. In heaven we are a new creation. The Bible says that in heaven we will be made like Jesus. In heaven there is no more pain. In heaven there is no more hurt. There are no more tears. So when we pray, as it is in heaven, on earth, as it is in heaven, we're believing for all of this stuff. That actually, we don't have to wait until eternity to begin to see some of the promises of God, but actually, his kingdom is here. It is right now, through his people. And so we can believe for this stuff. It's so good. You know, there's so much in our world that 
You know, when we hear about it, it breaks our heart, doesn't it? You know, you look, like we've said, world hunger, poverty, homelessness, orphans, cancer. There's all of this stuff that is just devastating in our world. But when we pray on earth as it is in heaven, we're praying against all of this stuff. We're praying for God's will to be done. We're praying for heaven to meet earth, for us to get a glimpse of what it might look like in eternity right now, right here, right now. And then he goes on, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Jesus is teaching us in this moment to acknowledge that God is our provider. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord provides. He is the source of everything that we need. He is the source of everything that we need. He is enough. He is more than enough to fulfill our needs, physical needs, emotional needs, spiritual needs. He is more than enough. And the Bible, his word, it's our daily bread. And so we need to consume it daily, if you will. We're talking this morning about daily prayer habits, and that's important, but we also need to have a daily Bible reading habit that we take some time out each day to read the Word of God, to consume this daily bread, if you will. And there are so many uh, ways and tools and resources to help you to do that. If you look at this ginormous book and find it intimidating, well, don't be intimidated. There are methods and tools to help you. Get hold of the Word of God devotionals that just takes a couple of verses and breaks it down. Or, you know, maybe you want to join a life group where we dig into the Word of God. Or just even pick out one scripture, just one verse And spend a few moments thinking and praying about how that can impact your day. Or get the Bible app on your phone that is full of uh, reading plans that you can work through to help you cultivate a daily reading habit. I mentioned last week that this year uh, I'm dedicating the year to reading the Bible, reading the gospel, sorry, slowly. Because I've raced through them intentionally over the past couple of years just to to try that, to read the Bible in a year and stuff like that. But this year, I'm just going to read the Gospels, those four books in the New Testament, slowly, just a couple of verses a day, and then repeating it in a different translation three days in a row to really get it into my spirit, and then moving on to the next few verses. That's how I'm going to do it. But you find, again, you find what works for you. There's no one perfect way. There's no right or wrong way to read the Bible as long as you're reading the Bible. That's the important thing. It is food for your soul. I believe that our daily bread moves us from a place of disappointment and fear to a place of faith where we then become inspired and encouraged to pray bold prayers and to live bold Lives. When you read the word of God, it is life-giving. It builds faith and it will encourage you to live life well. So be intentional about reading your Bible. Give us this day our daily bread. And then it goes on, and forgive us our debts. Forgive us our debts. This is so important, isn't it? That actually we need to spend time, even daily, asking God to forgive us because we all mess up. 
You might live a good life, you might do good deeds, but we all make mistakes. No one is perfect, not even me. Yes, we live under grace. And yes, the blood of Jesus has paid for all of our sins, for all of our mistakes, past, present and future. That has been done. That work has been complete. It is finished. And yet Jesus calls us to pray and to ask for forgiveness. And so this needs to become part of our daily prayer routine that we ask God to forgive us. Be specific even. I'm sorry that I did this thing. It was not right. I'm sorry. Help me to do better. You know, the important thing when it comes to messing up is that we don't wallow in it, that we don't beat ourselves up, that we don't allow ourselves to to sink, to spiral out of control into a, a place that says, well, I've messed up now, so I may as well just keep on messing up till the end of the day and then I'll try again tomorrow. Or I'll keep messing up until the end of the week or the month or the year and I'll try again at X point in time. We need to be praying as soon as we realize we've messed up. Immediately pray to God because he's not looking on you with shame or with judgment or accusing you of, look at this person, how disgusting are they? I can't be around them anymore. He loves us. He is for us. And so if in that moment we recognize that we have messed up, that we have done wrong, we just need to come to God. And he is right there waiting for us in that moment for us to come to him and say, God, I'm sorry, I've messed up yet again. Can you help me to do better? We just need to come to God and to ask for forgiveness and then to shake it off. And to get going again, to try again, to do better again. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Have you ever been disappointed by someone? Have you ever been let down by someone or hurt by someone? It's hard, isn't it, when we go through that feeling of of just disappointment and hurt and pain because of the words or the actions of another person. But what Jesus is challenging us with in this model of prayer is that we need to forgive. Not just to forgive, but to forgive as he has forgiven us. Completely, that means. Completely. Not holding it against them for a period of time. I feel like I've shared in the past where, you know, maybe sometimes when someone does something wrong to you, at least for me in the past, I've been like, well, okay, I know that I'm going to forgive them because I know that's the right thing to do. But right now I'm really mad. I'm really upset. I'm really annoyed with this person for what they did. And so I'm just going to judge them quietly for maybe two or three days. I'm just going to keep fueling that anger just for a few days because they really deserve it because they did something really wrong to me. And then once they've gone through that period of three days of me hating on them or silent treating them or whatever it might be, then I'll forgive them because I'll feel better because I've spent some time dwelling on that hurt and pain and anger. Who has ever felt better from dwelling on hurt and pain and anger? No one. Because unforgiveness creates within us a spirit of bitterness. 
And bitterness doesn't hurt the person that you are holding it against. It only hurts you. And I believe that when we uh, come from a place of unforgiveness, when we have within us bitterness over something that has happened to us in the past, that actually it can rob us of our joy. Unforgiveness and bitterness can rob us of our joy. It can rob us of the privilege of walking in the fullness of what God has for us because we're holding on to something from our past. Imagine if Jesus was holding on to the things that we had done wrong in our past. If he was waiting for three or four days before he would forgive us, how terrible would that be? But that's not what he does. He forgave us in that moment on that cross when he died that death and when he rose again. He forgave us for everything that we have done, past, present and future. And so when we come to him to ask him for forgiveness, it's done. It's done. He's not holding on to anything. And we need to forgive others as he has forgiven us. So we need to let go of that pain. Maybe as I've been talking about this, someone has popped into your head and you've realized even in this moment that actually I need to forgive someone right now. And so even right now, take a moment as I'm speaking and just pray to God, I'm sorry that I've been holding on to this, but forgive, help me to forgive them and forgive me for not forgiving them because we need to forgive. We need to let go of that hurt and that pain. Forgive them in your heart. And it's not always easy. I don't get me wrong. I totally get it's not easy to forgive people when they've hurt us, when they've, they've you know, damaged us, when they've said something or done something that's impacted us. It's not easy to forgive. But with God, we can come to a place of true forgiveness. And then Jesus goes on, and lead us not into temptation. And lead us not into temptation. Now, temptation is not a sin. Being tempted is not a sin. It's what we do in the face of temptation that is important. Because like we've already said today, Jesus, when he was baptized, he went into the wilderness for 40 days, fasting and praying to God. And it was coming out of these, those 40 days that he was then tempted by the enemy. Jesus himself was tempted. But that is not a sin. It's what we do in the face of temptation that is important. And maybe go and read that portion of scripture and take encouragement for, from what Jesus did. Because in the face of temptation, he just quoted scripture at the enemy and said, you're lying. That is not true. This is what the Bible says. This is what my father says. This is what almighty God says to what it is that you're tempting me with. <coughs> so pray in those moments for strength. In those times when we feel tempted to, to turn away from God, even for a moment, you know, we can just have things that will only take just a minute, but actually they're not helpful. They're not healthy for us. So we need to pray to God for the strength to stay true to ourselves, to stay true to the men and women that God has created us to be. I don't know what you struggle with, but you know what you struggle with. You know what your greatest weakness is. You know what it is that is most likely to trip you up, to cause you to stumble. 
know, I was listening to a podcast a while ago that, that looked at a psychological approach to, to temptation. And it said that actually in the moment of temptation, if you can just wait for 15 minutes from that moment that you are tempted to do something that you know is wrong, if you can wait for just, it might have even been 12 minutes is the specific, but let's say 15 minutes. If you can just wait for 15 minutes and then see if you still want to do or say or think whatever it was that came to mind. Just wait 15 minutes and then see if you want to succumb to that temptation. And then it went on even further that actually, if you can spend that window, that time frame, maybe praying or worshipping or reading the Bible, if you spend those 15 minutes not just waiting for it to be over so that you can do the thing, but if you can spend those 15 minutes in the presence of God, seeking him first, praying first, then see if you still want to do it. Because I can almost guarantee if you've spent 15 minutes in the presence of God, you won't want to do or think or say whatever it was. Because temptation tries to encourage us or persuade us that God is not present, that he is not around us. And so actually, if no one sees what it is that I'm saying or thinking or doing, I can get away with it. It doesn't really matter. But the truth is that God is with us. He's within us all the time. We can't escape from God. And so if you imagine that God is stood right next to you and he can hear what you're thinking, would you want to do or say or think that thing? Probably not. Probably not. So maybe that's a strategy you can take on if you feel tempted. Just take 15 minutes. Just pause for 15 minutes and see if you still want to. So lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Some translations say deliver us from the evil one. And for me, this verse just confirms that there is an enemy, that there is an evil one who is real and who has a purpose and a plan to trip us up, to make us stumble, to pull us away from God. There is an enemy with minions who are out to get you who don't like the fact that you love God, who don't like the fact that you read your Bible or pray daily or come to church. They don't like it and they will do anything in their power to stop you from doing it. And they too know what your greatest weakness is and they will use it against you. They know where it is that you struggle and they will drop those ideas into your minds. They will drop those people into your pathway. They will show you that there's another road that you can take and look how enticing it is and look how beautiful it is and look how tasty it is. Just come down here even just for a moment, but pause for 15 minutes. Spend time in the presence of God and see if you still want to listen to the evil one, to the enemy who is out to get you. It's important that we pray daily to God to protect us from spiritual attacks, to keep our feet from wandering from the path that he has set before us and actually to guide our steps to help us keep on the straight and narrow path that leads to life. And so this is how Jesus taught his disciples to pray. And then some translations go on and end the prayer with these words, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. 
Amen. <clears throat> our lives are not our own. We don't succeed, we don't do good deeds, we don't live good lives so that we can be built up or made famous or get the praise or the glory. It is all for God. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Not ours. It's not about us. It's not about we do. It's not about look how good I am. Look what I've given up for 21 days. Look at the prayer habit that I have cultivated. Look how much I read my Bible. It is not about that. It's all about God. All the honor and all the glory belongs to our Father in heaven. Amen? So let's spend the next 21 days praying and fasting. And so maybe just spend some time this afternoon, this evening, thinking about when, thinking about where, thinking about how you can pray. Be thinking about what it is that your fast might look like, whether you want to fast food. Jesus did it. Whether you want to fast a certain type of food or a meal or social media, or Netflix, or whatever it might be that will help you to get closer to the presence of God. Have a think about what that might look like, and let's put that into place tomorrow, okay? I'm excited for what these 21 days are going to look like, because I believe that when we're united in something like this, as a local body of Christ, that he will move in power, that we will hear good testimonies of the way that God is moving in you, through you, to grow your life, to make you closer to him, to hear answers to prayer. Please do tell us if God is speaking to you, how he's speaking to you, what he's doing in your lives over the next 21 days. We want to celebrate with you in that. So let's do this together, okay?